0: We saw your B Good Baker running by again the other day. Says I to old Mister Brennan. Ah yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still, and she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's B Good bread. Only sixty calories a slice. Sixty calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. Sixty calories a slice, and high in fibre, whatever way you slice it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's today's bread today.
1: Are you feeling lucky this St. Patrick's Day? Easy Living Furniture has a pot of gold waiting for you. With absolutely everything reduced across sofa, dining, bedroom, mattress and accessories. Get the three-seater dark grey Harper sofa for only $4.59. Donut 240cm dining table for only $2.89 and much more. Don't miss out on these lucky savings at Easy Living Furniture.
0: Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie
2: i mm-hmm. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Andrew Jenkinson, biatric surgeon, telling us why we eat too much and what we can do about it. When you look around the high streets, you'll see people with the condition, which I would call a disease because it is, it's called blockage of this weight regulation hormone, walking around with six months or, you know, at the extreme, they could survive a year without eating. These extremely obese people who are 30 stone, and, and that's because their weight regulation signal, which is called leptin, is blocked. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. When your dreams start to seem like
0: reality... It is actually pretty phenomenal to have a national monument on your doorstep, isn't it? It was such a huge attraction. Nothing else seems to matter.
2: As of now, the house that Dunrout Bannon built is without planning permission.
3: He's the king of renovation theme television, but Dermot Bannon is under fire following a major planning permission bungle. Those rules
1: are there for everyone. Everyone is faced with these same delays. It's not an excuse for going around the
3: system and trying to bypass it. The Room to Improve Star made headlines this week, but Build First, Ask Later has been a growing phenomenon in Ireland for some time now. Is the system to blame? And where does Housing Minister Dara O'Brien fit in?
2: Any contacts between RTE and government have to come under scrutiny at this point.
3: I'm Ellen Coyne and today on the Indo-Daily I'm joined by Fionnhan Sheehan, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent, and Amy Malloy, social affairs correspondent with the Irish Independent, to ask why so many people in Ireland are finding room to manoeuvre when it comes to their property plans. So he's nearly the patron saint of extensions and concrete floors, but it seems that Dermot Bannon has some room to improve when it comes to planning permission rules. Fiona, talk us through the story that you broke this week.
2: So, the latest series of Room to Improve has very much focused on the grants that are available from government for doing up vacant and derelict houses. So much so that the Department of uh, Housing, Dara Bryan's department, is basically promoting the show actively, saying that it is showcasing the use uh, of these grants. So, we've seen this in the first two episodes. Something that we weren't told about in the show was that planning permission was actually required for the development that took place in Cashel in County Chipperary last weekend. A, a very lovely couple, Kate and Brian, were, were doing up their house.
3: I brought them up to the Rocky Cashel and then the rest was history, isn't it? Yeah, that's
0: it. <laughs> Seven years later, Kate and Brian sold their first house and bought this bungalow just outside town for €303,000, the dream location for what will hopefully be their forever home.
2: The roof was was condemned. The house had been vacant. So they went through their plans to renovate the existing house and put on an extension. But at this point, there was a debate with Dermot about whether to, to go a second story on the house. And Dermot basically convinced the couple that this was the time to carry out this work, to do it at this point, not put it on the long finger. Upstairs, there's also potential for a fourth bedroom and a bathroom. Outside, the existing shed will be converted into a home gym.
1: I love the design.
3: It's class. Definitely love the possibility of a fourth room that could be done down the line. So delighted with that part of it.
2: So they went ahead with that. That's where they fell foul of the, the planning regulations because basically they were going over the allowable size in terms of the, an extension you can put on. So the extension then required retention planning permission to be sought. So this is called effectively build first, ask permission later. So you'd carry out your, your building work. You then discover oh, I, I required planning permission for this, I'll now apply to the county council in my area to seek to have it retained. It's risky because the county council can turn around and go, well, no, sorry, you you're gone over the regulations here. And in this specific case... They were within eyeshot of a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Uh, there was a second story extension with a large dormer window facing towards that World UNESCO World Heritage Site at the Rock of Cashel. So as it happens, the planners went out, they inspected the site. The county development plan actually has a zone around the Rock of Cashel as a World Heritage site, restricting development within that zone. And that literally borders where this house was. So if the house was literally 10 metres to the right back towards the town there would have been an issue here. So they went through the planning process and a decision was taken just last week to grant planning just three days before the programme went out but it is still an unauthorised development because that process from the point where a decision is made to actually granting approval takes another month. So as of now the house that Donald Bannon built is without planning permission.
3: And normally in an episode of Room to P- Improve, the process of kind of going for planning, like sometimes that's nearly part of the plot. Like that would often be be mentioned in an ordinary episode, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah. So for Donald Bannon says this was a, an editorial decision and nothing to do with him, that this was not mentioned. So th- this entire episode seemed to be about how this was a very tight budget most people would say that 350 grand is not a terribly tight budget uh, in layman's terms. And also it, it was highlighting how the grants were helping out between vacant house, uh, derelict house and energy grants available. There was 98,000 euros provided they were applied for and granted. So it all focused on that, but there was no mention at all of the fact that if you want to carry out a development like this, you may fall foul of the planning rules and you may actually end up in a situation like this development did where it required planning permission.
3: And those grants, should they have been contingent on having planning permission? Yeah, here's
2: the thing. I mean, the the Department of Housing guidelines on these grants say that it can be contingent uh, upon planning permission being acquired because this is state money and, you know, it would be embarrassing for the state to be funding a development that ultimately did not receive planning permission or did not receive retention permission and therefore was illegal. Dermot Bannon says the grants applied to the existing house that was being renovated and didn't require planning permission and that the extension was the part that required Planning permission, so therefore the grants were not affected. That's his interpretation.
3: You mentioned there a tight budget is a relative term depending on how much money you have yourself. But you mentioned, I think, there was 350,000 that went into the actual room to improve development. How much did the house itself cost,
2: do we know? The house itself was bought in the end of 2022 for about three three hundred 303,000 was the exact figure that, that was, was spent on it. So this was an old, pretty standard 1970s bungalow bliss era house and over the years there had been additional work carried out on it Dermot arrived the house was very cold and also he highlighted there was a, a sagging roof this then developed further when we were told that the roof was condemned uh, which is a very strong word in the in building lingo and basically you ended up in a situation where largely speaking the four walls and the, and the chimney uh, of the original house was all that was left uh, when the development was getting underway.
3: You mentioned at the start that this is what would be described as an example of build first, ask later. Amy Malloy, you have been kind of looking into this phenomenon kind of on a a wider scale and it is something that is on the rise in Ireland in recent years. Can you talk us through how common is it for people to try to build an extension or maybe even build an entire property without planning permission and just hope that they can argue their case and win over the council later on?
1: It's definitely not a new phenomenon. This is something that's always been happening. I think it was particularly rampant during the Celtic Tiger years when building rules and regulations were a bit looser, to put it mildly. (laughs) Um, But I suppose I just wanted to look into it kind of in more recent years. So I put in queries to all the local authorities just to get an insight into how common this is. And in the last five years, at least 11,000 people have applied for retention applications. And the data that I got actually shows that more often than not, these applications are actually approved. So, for example, of the one thousand two hundred sixty applications made to Dublin City Council since twenty nineteen, only one hundred ninety three were refused. In Leitrim, of the one hundred ninety two applications, just two were denied. And in Donegal, of the thirteen hundred applications made, just eighty three were refused. So. I kind of went a bit further back then and wanted to get an insight into, you know, just how many one-off houses and how many huge extensions are actually being built without planning permission. So I got some data on that as well. And in the last 15 years, hundreds of people have actually built houses, granny flats, log cabins and apartments without planning permission and subsequently went for retention permission. So it's important to stress, you know, not every retention application is a big, massive house or a huge two-story extension. In some cases, it's for relatively minor works, like, you know, even something as simple as putting a Velux window on your roof, or maybe they got planning permission for a house, and then during construction, they kind of deviated from the plans, which is kind of similar to what happened in the room to improve story. But what I think is interesting is that people often only go for retention if they need to sell the house, because you can't sell a house unless it's planning compliant. And also if someone reports them, and the council then subsequently takes enforcement action. So that's kind of the only two reasons that people often go for attention. So I suppose that does beg the question, how many other properties are out there with work that was carried out without planning permission?
3: Yeah, so I guess we don't really actually know the true scale of how often this happens. You could be sympathetic to someone who maybe put in a VLUX window and didn't think to get planning. But when you're talking about people building entire houses or giant extensions, can you give people the benefit of the doubt or is it is that just a kind of deliberate attempt to to kind of get the house or the extension that you want and to bother with planning later on?
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to building a big, massive house in in the middle of a field somewhere, you can't say that that person wasn't aware that they had to have planning permission. But in some cases, it is a bit more, I suppose, intended. And, you know, people do carry out works in the hope that the local authority won't find out. They might think, oh, look, we some sound neighbours. They're not going to report us if we build an extension and don't apply for permission or just, you know, fire up a granny flat in the back of the house there for your teenage daughter who's struggling to save money for a property or whatever. So I think in some cases you can forgive people. and But in other cases, it is quite blatant. And, you know, people do show a disregard for planning laws in this
3: country. And through your reporting, you've actually spoken to people who've been in this situation. Is that right? Yes I have. Can you tell us about the mini mansion in Meath?
1: Yes this is a very well publicised case and long running saga which has been before the courts for nearly two decades now. So this involved a couple of who were living in County Meath, Rose and Chris Murray. They'd been living in England for a number of years, decided to come back home. They wanted to start a family, get married, build a house and I know it's been well publicised at this point, but they built a 588 square metre house without planning permission. On the face of it, you're thinking, what the hell were they thinking? But there is a bit of a backstory to it, I suppose. They had tried for planning on previous sites and they were refused. I think some of the reasons were Meath County Council thought it was going to contribute to urban overspill. Another one of the refusals was because the entrance to the site would have been too close to a bend and they thought it might have been a, a bit of a safety hazard. But when it came to the site where they built the house that they're now living in, they had actually consulted with a, a local councillor and a planning official before they even bought the site. And they asked, you know, do you foresee any problems with us getting planning permission here? They were told verbally, no, I think you'll be grand. They bought the site, they put in planning permission for a dormer bungalow, but it was subsequently refused. Now. It was refused on three grounds. There was density concerns because the council thought that too many houses had been built in this rural area. They said that there was a sterilization agreement in place. So basically the the family that sold them the site had already built two houses in that area. But apparently there was an agreement in place that no other houses could be built in that area after this. The, the couple weren't aware of this when they they bought the site, of course. And then I think there was wastewater concerns as well. But the sterilization agreement, which is one of the main reasons that the plan permission was refused, apparently that was actually never officially drawn up, which has come out in court cases in the subsequent years. So, it's a really controversial story. And this family had been before the courts. They've paid thousands in legal fees trying to battle to save their homes. They have actually applied for retention permission on a number of occasions and have been refused every single time. Um, so it's it's still rumbling on. They were up in court last year because they claimed they had new evidence, which you know showed they shouldn't have been denied permission. And they're still battling to, to keep their house. You know, they, they raised three sons there and they've lived all their life there. They've had wakes there, graduations. But at the end of the day, they seriously breached planning laws and they're paying the price now, I suppose, because they have this constant cloud hanging over their head of, when are we going to have to leave this house because there is a demolition order in place and they're fighting to stop that happening essentially.
3: You've painted a picture really well there of how often I suppose people plan first and then ask later, taking us through situations where, you know, ordinary people are trying to navigate the system. But Fiona, to bring it back to your story, I suppose Dermot Bannon is probably the most high profile architect in the country. Um, he is the face of probably one of the most cherished and loved TV programmes in the country. Is there kind of an expectation that Room to Improve would always kind of work to the gold standard on these things and is it a really big deal that there would be a room to improve project that would have got ahead without planning permission
2: yeah well RT are saying that look this is a live show and developments uh, happen and they can't fit everything in so hence the planning permission uh, aspect was not included Dermot Bannon says look retention is a mechanism through which retrospective permission is sought particularly where there is a a change in the development as as it goes along And the point made in the the planning documents that was submitted by his architecture firm was that this issue arose because the clients... Uh, had a change of mind in terms of what it was that they wanted and they went up into the second story. Uh, by the way, the first planning application that was submitted was rejected by and deemed invalid by the county council because they said it wasn't quite clear what exactly they were looking for retention for and what they were looking for permission for. So Mr. Bannon's firm had to submit a, a, a second application. So you're kind of looking at this show and expecting that, you know, it, it's run to the highest standards and that it advocates uh, for best practices practice, and certainly retention and building without permission is not regarded as best practice. It's allowable. In this case, they applied, and they, a decision has been taken to grant them permission. But it is a risky tactic to go down, as Amy's statistics show. It doesn't always work, and people can find themselves in difficulties here.
3: When you're talking about best practice, and even I suppose like honesty and candour with the audience, it's probably fair to say that had it not been for your story in the Irish Independent this week, the audience and the public would have never known that. that That project had been built without planning
0: permission.
2: Yeah, and and there's there's the planning permission issue. There's also the attachment to the grants. I mean, the show repeatedly refers to the grants. The RTE press material uh, coming out about the show repeatedly refers to to the grants. But if you read the fine print of the grants, it does very often say that the a caveat attached is it's contingent upon planning commission being secured or in place. It's not as straightforward and simple a process as is shown on the TV show. And these issues are not just about tight budgets, as appears to be the case when you watch Room to Improve.
3: And people who regularly watch Room to Improve, which is probably most of the country at this stage, know that the grants are a big part of every episode. Like you're kind of taken through how important these are, how the project couldn't possibly go ahead without the grants. There's a brand new grant that's been
2: introduced if it's your first
3: house and if it's a derelict
0: building. Yeah. They deserve the grant. You know, this is exactly what the grant is intended for.
3: And a few days before uh, your story about the planning permission, there was a story in the Sunday Independent by our colleague Hugh O'Connell about the ways that Dermot Bannon had gotten a briefing on specific grants. So you mentioned at the start that Darrell O'Brien has kind of been pulled into this story as well.
2: Yeah, so Dermot Bannon and Room to Improve got in contact uh, with Minister O'Brien's advisor in 2022 and they received a a private briefing on how these grants operate. Now, this was just a couple of weeks before the, the grant was increased. There has been a lot of criticism of the, of the scheme when it started out. It was seen to be too small a sum to attract people to renovate vacant homes. There's been criticism about the amount of time that it takes to get the money. You have to have the money up front. That did feature prominently uh, in the show the other night. You are paid it back, but you have to pay your bills as, as you go along and then uh, get the money back. So the scheme has been seen to be cumbersome and it's believed that that's why the take-up hasn't been as good as as it should be. You now basically have Ireland's number one property show saying that oh, these grants are great and that you, you can go ahead with, with large-scale developments because you have this money on board.
3: But Dermot Baden is kind of defending himself and saying that the briefing was no big deal and that a show like Room to Improve kind of needs to know what it's talking about. Is that yeah, kind of... they,
2: they're saying that they want to know uh, all the full information that they received... Uh, no special treatment, then that room to improve needs to be informed in order to inform the viewers. But it would appear that planning permission doesn't feature in that argument, though.
3: And obviously, Fionn, we're all aware that RTE had a really terrible year in the headlines last year. They can't be too thrilled that 2024 has started with one of their best, most loved shows making headlines as well.
2: This is, again, about transparency. Within RTE, you obviously have a very influential platform by going out on the the national broadcaster. The viewership figures for Room to Improve so far have been about 600,000 and 500,000. That's a, a, a significant portion. You get a lot of people talking about things. So if there are uh, behind the scenes briefings being given by ministers, uh, officials, then you're entitled to ask, well, what what exactly was that about? Is this about promoting the project uh, to promoting these grants is that because that's a good way to publicise what is a very good scheme or because a scheme is struggling and a particular minister needs a bit of help to push it on and where better to do that than uh, than on the, the national broadcaster so this level of scrutiny is, is exactly that I mean RTE is the public service broadcaster we are in receipt of, of substantial amounts now not only of the licence fee but of taxpayers uh, money there is an ongoing debate about their future funding. So any contacts between RTE and government have to come under scrutiny at this point.
3: And obviously, I suppose the question is kind of hanging over all of this. Room to Improve has been running for what feels like forever. There have been season after season after season. Do we know or is it too early to say if this has ever happened before with any other project that something has been shown to us on television that may not have had the appropriate planning permission?
2: Well, we know, for example, Dermot Bannon's uh, own case in Point was one. He developed his house on the north side of Dublin. There was a special on that development and part of it was an outdoor bathtub uh, up the top of the garden and there was a, a shelter around that. And Durham Banner had to reply for retention permission on that after Dublin City Council got on to him and wrote to him and said, you know, we're we're looking at enforcement here. Uh, he applied. There was an objection from a, a neighbour uh, as well, but he did receive retention there. So, yeah, his... His own case in point was an example.
3: And finally, whether it's Dermot Bannon or your next door neighbour or someone down the road, Amy, I'm kind of interested in this, this whole phenomenon of building first and asking later. We've spoken about the reasons that people might do it themselves, but does it tell us something about the planning process in Ireland? If this many people are going around it or asking for permission retrospectively, does it mean that getting planning permission in Ireland is too hard or too cumbersome?
1: I think some of the problems with the planning system having well documented local authorities are saying they're severely understaffed, which is leading to plan applications taking, you know, months in some cases to be approved. And particularly in cases where people are already after getting planning permission for a property, and then they think, oh, actually I might put a bit of an extension here or change the roof to a, a certain style. If they were to go and apply for planning permission for this again, like the whole project could be delayed by months. And I think that's what you're seeing at Room to Improve as well. If they had awaited, you know, it might jeopardize the episode going out or something like that. So but like I don't think that's an excuse either. Like those rules are there for everyone. Everyone is faced with these same delays. Like it's not an excuse for going around the system and trying to bypass it. There needs to be a bit of consistency in this. And I, I don't think we're seeing that across some of the local authorities,
3: really. And my thanks to Fiona Sheehan and Amy Malloy. I'm Ellen Coyne and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Dave Hannerty with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE Room to Improve, Oroctus TV and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.
0: We saw your B-Good Baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's B-Good bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fibre, whatever way slice it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today.